My shoes took uh, almost the rest of the week to dry. They just dry today. Oh, yesterday. So if you want to turn with your Bibles and your Bibles to John chapter 6, we're going to be there in a moment because it's time to get serious because I feel God has given me a key to see how we can all do greater things. So let's pray. Father, we just ask right now that you will speak. God, speak individually and personally to every single one of us. God, I ask right now you'll remove any distractions, any hindrances, anything that would stop us hearing what you want to say today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow. John chapter 6, verse 15. It's always good to actually read the Bible, but it's up there on the screens if you got it. Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, they departed again to the mountain by himself alone. Now when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea and got in the boat and went over the sea towards Capernaum. And it was already dark and Jesus had not come to them. Then the sea arose and became a great wind, was blowing. So when they had rowed about three or four miles, about to the middle of the lake, they saw Jesus walking on the sea, drawing near the boat, and they were afraid. But he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. Then they willingly received him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. It's interesting here in John's Gospel, that it doesn't talk about Peter walking on the water. That's only mentioned in Matthew. And yet that's what most of us focus on when we talk about Jesus walking on water. However, John here records two miracles. One, Jesus walked on water. But two, I hadn't really noticed it until a few months ago, the first instance of a speedboat in history. See that he got on the boat and then immediately they were three and a half kilometers away. It's recorded right there in Scripture. Miracle 2. So a couple of months ago, I was reading this passage probably for around the hundredth time in my life, and God showed me something that I'd never really seen before. It's found in that first verse, John 6, verse 15. It says, Then Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force and make him king. And he departed again to the mountain by himself alone. See here, John the Beloved, the one that they say was the closest disciple to Jesus, makes an observation that I think I'd probably read so many times, but not seen. And then this one day it jumped off the page at me. And it's found in one simple word, again. Jesus departed again to the mountain to pray. So again is the title of this message. It's one simple word. And I think if we can grab that one word, and hear what God is saying, it's going to really help unlock things in our lives. So let's all say it out loud again. 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 Ah, Very good. In this one simple word, the Holy Spirit revealed a number of things to me. One, Jesus prayed a lot. Well, that's not that revelatory, is it? But not in corporate prayer meetings, but in a secret place alone. Two, that just before Jesus walked on water, he spent a considerable amount of time alone with God. And three, and Matt brought this out last Sunday night at the youth service. Here's the disciples. After seeing Jesus feed 5,000 men, plus women and children, and the disciples being on this amazing spiritual high, they see Jesus walk off alone, and they know that he's going to pray, and they probably sit on the shore and don't pray. 
Then they get, for whatever reason, they get in the boat and start going. Storm arises. They're still on the spiritual high, but they don't pray. I mean, you'd think if you hang around with Jesus, you're going to pray a little bit. I mean, Luke 5 verse 16 even makes it clear that they notice it so much, but Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. Then another thing, last thing, but I think the key, this again, what it said to me was that Jesus was known for his personal prayer life. They recorded it right throughout Scripture so many times. Again, often, Jesus went away. So for those of you who are taking notes, a key thought is we get known for what we do time and time again. What I felt the the Holy Spirit saying to me and what I want us, I guess, to download from heaven today is that if we want to do extraordinary things for God, if we want to be that full-time minister that makes a difference, if we want to get out of the boat and walk on water, not naturally like I tried to do, but spiritually, we need to be known for our close relationship with God. Now, not because we get up and tell everyone on stage or everyone in a life group, man, I spend this minute much time with God every day, but because the effects or the evidence of the time spent with God will be noticed by people around us. And I think that's really important. See, Jesus always went away to pray, to find out what God wanted him to do, to do it, or just to communicate with his Father. His life was defined by that habit, that he was always going away to pray. And look at the results. History is defined by the impact of his life and ministry. While Jesus was on earth, he was known for the miraculous, but he was also known for his prayer life. And I believe they are directly linked. And it's probably not that that hidden really in Scripture, but sometimes we actually need to stop and think about that. How directly linked was the fact that Jesus, God in flesh on the earth, still had to spend that time with God, still had to go alone and pray. So we all develop reputations or get known for the things we do often, the things that we do time and time again, good things, bad things, or indifferent things. How many times have I thought or even said out loud, oh no, not again. It's usually when something goes wrong again. That th- you know, the thought that comes to my mind is that song. Oops, I Did It Again by Britney Spears. <laughs> now I would sing it for you, but you probably wouldn't recognize the tune as I am truly known for how unmusical I am. But oops, we did it again. The car breaks down again. We get a speeding ticket in the mail again. A work colleague makes the same mistake again. Your friend or family member loses their keys or wallet again. The truth is we're all probably known for some things that we do time and time again. And we say, oops. But after a while, it's not oops because it becomes a habit. We get known for things we do regularly. My wife, Jody is known for her walking. How many of you have seen her pushing that snot green double buggy up Great North Road or along Teatatu Road? If you drive around the church here, you will have seen her because she pretty much does it every day. It's a habit in her life and she is known for it. Pastor Tark is another great example of this. If you know him well, you would say that he is known for his time with God. 
and his focused single-mindedness on his calling. Those two things dictate most of what he does, and we've heard those messages over the last few weeks about time. Those things dictate the habits that he's formed in his life and how he spends his time. But he's also known for a few other things. His amazing preaching and, of course, chicken curry. (laughs) Things we say or do often enough, you get known for. Whether you like it or not, but more importantly, whether you know it or not, what you and I do regularly or habitually defines us. We are known for what we do time and time again. At home, especially with our extended family, the ones who aren't saved, they see what we do. Our work colleagues, our schoolmates, even the community around where we live, they notice what we do. You know, Jody will actually come to me sometimes, probably too often than I like, and say, you know you always do that, or this, and if I'm honest, that usually starts an argument. But the truth is, she's right. In that moment, I may not like what she's saying, but it is such a blessing to have someone who challenges me and keeps me growing. I have a question for you all. You don't need to answer it out loud, but have a think about it. Are you approachable? Do you welcome people speaking into your life? Because it's not easy, but the truth is it's worth it. Because we all have blind spots. We all have areas that we don't see, the things that we do time and time again. Actually, just this week, Jody brought something up. I'm not going to tell you what it was because I really have to work on it. I didn't like hearing about it at all. It's not a sin, but it's something that I do from time to time more regularly than I probably even realize. But I could do it differently. I could do it better. Let me just step away from my notes for a moment. I really want to ask you another question. What is God challenging you about right now? Because if we're hearing from God, he will be gently saying, hey, you know that area? You could do that differently. You could do that a bit more. You know what you're doing there? Have you thought about doing it like this? And the truth is God always wants us to be drawn closer to him. It's our goal, to know him and to become more like him. If you don't know what he's saying, I encourage you throughout this message, listen, because God is calling us on to bigger and better and greater things. That's his plan. He's our heavenly father. He wants that. Okay. Again, Jesus went to pray. What is your sentence? What are you known for? Have a think about it. Again, he went to the gym. Certainly not me. Again, we slept in a missed church. Well, you guys are all here, so that's very good. Again, Dad worked late. Again, they volunteered in church. Again, I let my family down. Again, she sacrificed for the gospel. Again, we or I were late. Again, they saw somebody healed. Again, they brought somebody to church. It could be positive or it could be negative. But each of us have agains in our lives, probably more than one. What are you known for? It's a tough question, but one that we should ask ourselves. Have a think about it. Let's look quickly at four famous men in the Bible and see how they were actually known or remembered. So here up on the screen here, you've got Solomon. He was known for wisdom. But he was also known for his 700 wives and 300 women or concubines. 1 Kings 11 tells us 
that the result of having so many wives was that he turned his heart away from the Lord. Well, that's not very wise, is it? Abraham, we heard about this morning, he was known for his faith, but also for lying or falsehood. In Genesis 12, Abraham lied to Pharaoh, telling him that his wife Sarah was his sister. And yet Abraham was known and is known as the father of our faith. Peter, he was known for devotion to Jesus, and yet he denied him three times. And then David, well, he's known as the man after God's own heart, the one who killed Goliath as a boy, a great king. And you know he wrote just over half of the Psalms in the Bible, and yet he's also remembered as an adulterer and murderer. See, these four great men are known for their against, wisdom, faith, devotion, and a man after God's own heart. But they also had weaknesses. They had blots on their legacy. They had big blunders. But you know, those blunders make them human. We all make mistakes. We all have strengths and weaknesses. But the results of our habits is what we need to look at. Because the gains in our lives are the habits that we are either forming or have already formed. See, the big question isn't what are you known for now? but what do you want to be known for? What do we want to be known for? For better or for worse, as humans, we are creatures of habit. Researchers have found that 40% of all we do is done out of habit. Again, Jesus prayed was a habit. It's a great habit to have. Now, a habit is simply a repeated pattern of behavior. It's like Gary will definitely know this. He goes four-wheel driving a lot. It's like when you get stuck in a muddy, on a muddy road and you get stuck in a rut. And the deeper it goes and the further it goes, the harder it is to get out. That's a habit. It's something that we start doing and then keep doing time and time again until we can't stop. But you know what's interesting? When I started to think about this, you know, God actually made all of us to be able to form habits and to break them and to establish new habits because habits are powerful. Habits make us, but they also break us. Habits define our future. And I want to say this morning, if we can harness the power of the habit or habits in our lives, it will change not only the agains that we currently have, but it will help us form habits that will ultimately determine what we will be known and remembered for. So I've got five points I want us to look at this morning. One, understand what a habit is. That really is the starting place. How is it formed? So it's quite interesting. When you learn something, your brain makes connections, and they create pathways of brain activity. And when you routinely perform the same thing, your brain forms a path. It learns this pattern and sets this pathway up so it's easier to keep performing the same thing. So it processes the information faster. That is basically a habit. Setting up these pathways, because God made us this way, is actually quite simple. With daily repetition, you can create a new habit in as little as 10 days. That is, of course, because you hear about 21 days, that is, of course if the new habit is not competing against an old one. Unfortunately, once a habit or a pathway is set in our brain, it is extremely difficult to get rid of. 
which is why breaking a bad habit is so hard. Hebrews 10 verse 25 says, Let us not give up meeting together as some of you are in the habit of doing. We get in the pattern of not doing things. Here's a funny but true example. I come from a family of five, and you know, dessert for us was usually just ice cream and not every night of the week. When I started going out with Jody, all of a sudden I found that Pastor Tark and Jody had to have dessert every night. I don't think they could sleep without having dessert. So fast forward 13 years now, I'm the same. Jody's developed a habit in my life. I cannot go to sleep. I cannot really finish dinner without having dessert now. Why? Because I did it so often. And it just forms in our lives. It's funny, but it's true. That's how habits form. So point two, stop doing things before they become habits. There's a quote up there, and I think it's very true. Bad habits are like comfortable beds. Easy to get into, but hard to get out of. Song of Solomon 2 verse 15 says, Catch the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vine. You know, if that verse kept on going, those little foxes don't stay little anymore. Let me give you a powerful example of this. One day, Matthew woke up late and missed the school bus. He walked to school and arrived after the first period was over. He was afraid of being punished, but he told the truth, and his teacher allowed him to just join the class. She warned him about being late, but that was it. A week later, it happened again. Matthew was late, but this time he just told a little lie and got away with it. A few days later, the same thing happened again. Matthew arrived late, told a little lie, the teacher accepted it, and he joined the class. Matthew found it very convenient to be late. He was able to sleep in. His days at school were a lot shorter because he started late. And all he had to do was tell this small little lie. He felt that the other children admired him because he was doing it and they were wanted to do it. Gradually, Matthew acquired the bad habit of being late and then inventing some story to explain his lateness. Even after he left school and then college, he could not help being late for everything and then lying about it. His employees now reprimanded him for submitting his work late. When they threatened to dismiss him, Matthew tried so hard to get rid of his bad habit, but it was too late. The damage had been done. Matthew lost his job. Maybe right now God is speaking to you. Is there a habit right now that's taking you on a dangerous path? Dealing with those things before they get big, before they even become a habit, is the best thing you can do. Because step three is really what I've just talked about. We actually need to stop and identify what are those habits in our lives? What are those things that God is asking us to change? Joyce Meyer said, and I love this quote because it's so true, bad habits are our enemies. That's our approach we need to have to them because they hinder us from being the person that we want to be. But you know the truth, God is on our side. Philippians, what is it, 1 verse 6, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you, he wants to complete it, he wants to see it come to pass. God will help all of us to look at those habits and start working on them. 
So point four, and this is a really big point, understand it's going to take time and a lot of effort to overcome or break a habit. Mark Twain said this, habit is a habit, not to be flung out the window by any man, but coerced down the stairs one at a time. Let me give you a quick golfing example. The reason why pros practice so much is because your muscles can even form habits, and they can learn to do the same swing without even thinking. So they practice time and time again. But you know, we don't want to groove our muscles. We want to groove our spirit. We want to groove our character. That's what 1 Timothy 4 verse 7 says, train yourselves to be godly. Not just physical training, but spiritual training. He urges us to develop holy, holy habits. Our godly grooves that we form in our lives will reap eternal rewards because they are eternal, eternally important. But see, something that's really interesting about the golf swing is pros, if they get it right, it's done well. But if you're an amateur like me and you form a bad swing habit, like something really weird, and you keep doing it, your muscles learn the weird way. And you see that sometimes on a golf course. Some people have some really bizarre swings. But you know what? Once you've formed that and your muscles are in that groove, it is like torture to change it. Dr. Alan Meyer was here a number of months ago, and he said that he was in America, and this coach showed him how to do it properly. And it killed his golf game for about six months. It was terrible because he had to break that habit. And we have to go through pain but it's worth it. That's point number five. Working hard at forming God habits is so, so important. You know, those cables they, this quote talks about, the habits, they're little, little things that we lay down each day until that cable gets so big that we cannot break it. That's why we need to work hard at forming godly habits, but coming against those things. It's interesting, Galatians 6 verse 7 do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, he will reap. We need to remember that. You know, it's interesting, and I'm drawing to a close. The most common quote that I found about habits on the internet was this slide here. And I think we could take this into our work life. Probably we'll put it up at work. But in our spiritual life, it's coming up, hope. It basically says this. We are what we repeatedly do. Therefore, excellence isn't an act. It's a habit. Which that really brings us back to where we all started. Jesus was known for the habit in his prayer life. For his deep relationship with our Heavenly Father, his Father. Which enabled him to see the supernatural happen in his life. Like we saw earlier, I wanted to walk on water like Jesus did. If I'm honest, who wouldn't? But the goal isn't truly walking on water. Not naturally speaking. It's about being empowered to be the full-time ministers that God has called us to. But without the daily habit of prayer, we won't see it happen. This is the same in so many areas of life. We see successful people and we want what they've got. We're just not willing to pay the price to get it. If we're going to pray like Jesus did, we must be passionate, persistent prayers, expecting heaven to answer. Just like we prayed on Thursday night, we need to see the promises, the inheritance that he's got come our way. 
But until we form the habit of prayer, it's not easy to fight off the distractions and focus, our, focus on our relationship with God. If you're expecting your earthly body to get up tomorrow morning or even this afternoon and to cooperate, you're going to be sadly mistaken because it's not easy to form godly habits. Our fleshly soul will only come to the place of prayer kicking and screaming. And don't expect your mind to either because you know our intellect, it wants to rely on itself. It doesn't want to turn to God in prayer. But James 4 verse 8, let me finish with this as the musicians come. If you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. Every day, again and again, if you step towards God, he's going to step towards you. An unknown poet wrote this. I got up early one morning and rushed right into the day. I had so much to accomplish, I didn't have time to pray. Troubles tumbled about me, and heavier came each task. Why doesn't God help me? I wondered. He answered, you didn't ask. I woke up early this morning and paused before entering the day. I had so much to accomplish that I had to take time to pray. Many problems can be resolved, avoided altogether, if we take time to pray and develop that habit. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. The habits we form or allow to form in our lives determine ultimately who we are and what we will be known for. What are you? What am I doing again and again? Because if you want to walk, spiritually speaking, on water, you need to form those habits that will take you to that place. That place that will see you propel yourself out of the boat and do the things that God has called you to do. Well, God bless you. I hope that helps. I'm going to hand it over to the team. They're going to sing Commission My Soul.